0: Do you dress like shit? Do you want to stop dressing like shit? If you're talking premium cotton blends and designer looks that are both stylish and comfortable, then we're talking no games, just gains. I've been wearing no games, just gains for damn near a decade now, and I can personally vouch for their commitment to quality apparel. Take what you do seriously, know what you want, and go get it for hoodies, tees, snapbacks, and other apparel and accessories. Head over to no games, just follow them on Instagram at N-O-G-A-M-E-S underscore J-U-S-T-G-A-I-N-S, no games underscore just games, or follow them on Twitter at Torbian underscore N-G-J-G. That's T-O-R-R-B-I-A-N underscore N-G-J-G for the latest product drops, and not quickly, because they do sell out quickly. Thank you, No Games, Just Games, for sponsoring today's podcast. Let's get into the show. Yes, hello one, hello all, and welcome to the Politics mostly podcast I'm your host Peter Ramirez and yes that was an advertisement off the top I finally found someone to partner with to help bring you guys these episodes for free and not only that it is a friend of mine a um, excellent business mind and most importantly the maker very fine quality apparel products that I myself have been wearing for many many years so I feel comfortable with this advertisement uh, I have not sold out yet but stay tuned Uh, Um, look, I want to talk, I want to lead off today's show with where I'm at with COVID. Okay, COVID. Now, some of you email me. Some of you email me. Um, I think emailing a free podcaster is like leaving a YouTube comment, like, who does this? But I enjoy them for the most part, nevertheless. And a lot of people ask me, like, COVID questions, like, COVID, COVID, COVID. You know, (sighs) it's not a coincidence that I haven't done a... A COVID episode in a very long time. Why? Why? Am I pro this? Am I anti that? No, I'm just sick of talking about COVID. Okay. It's killed like a bajillion people. Um, and there's so much saturation with information and a lot of this stuff's dynamic, like this variant and, and this study. I, I just, I, I, there's nothing I can add to it, right? There's nothing I can say that doesn't become outdated quickly, uh, I don't have, like, a science mind. I, I There's nothing I can add to this conversation, which is why I talk about other things, because with those topics, I can add to the conversation, okay? But today, something happened. Today, something happened. I was like, you know what? Let me, let me mention this on the pod, okay? Um, I was supposed to see a dog trainer tonight. She called me at the gym, and she said she knew someone who she was around, who was exposed to COVID. So she wasn't exposed to COVID. She was exposed to someone who was exposed to COVID. And she was like, hey, you know, it's your decision if you want me to come through tonight. And I was like, you know what? Come through tonight. We'll wear masks. We'll stay far apart. It's fine, you know. Um, and then I thought about it. I was like, you know what? Holidays are coming up soon. Oh, sorry, Christmas. I don't want to trigger my my Republican listeners. Christmas is coming up soon. Uh, so is Kwanzaa, but I, I celebrate Christmas. <laughs> um... And, and then I thought about it. You know, I'm seeing my parents. My dad smokes. Like, I do. I really want to. Even if it's like less than one percent, do I really want to risk it for like a dog training session? No. And Coop sucks anyway. So fuck him. Um. So today was really the first day I like changed my life with COVID, and it was a very insignificant change. We're talking about rescheduling a dog appointment. Here's where I'm at with COVID. I am vaccinated. Double vaccinated. I was gonna get a booster, and then, as you guys know, I've <laughs> I've been like sick for like seven of the last eight weeks. I was briefly healthy, and then got a separate sickness. Uh, this is what happens when you're both your roommate and your boss are sick. You tend to get whatever they're spreading. And I'm just not gonna get a booster when I'm sick and I'm still coughing a little bit. So uh, in January I'll get the booster. So I'm vaccinated. You know, when I go into dense places, if they want me to wear a mask, I wear a mask. When the numbers are up, I wear a mask, and um, I'm gonna get boosted. Like, and then I'm gonna live my life. You know, I'm not gonna not do anything. Uh, That's where I'm at with COVID. I'm gonna take all the vaccines, take the boosters, and wear a mask when I have to, and live my life. Um, And today was like the, I think the first change. You know, I I talk to some people who are always worried about, like, oh, the next lockdown, the the next this. You know, I don't think it's going to get that way. I really don't. That first lockdown happened because we were trying to prevent the spread in the first place, right? There was no natural immunity. We didn't know a lot about the virus. And there were no vaccines. I don't think two years later uh, the American public is going to put up with uh, more lockdowns and more restrictions, I think you're going to see more mandates. Um, that generally gets people to take the shot, more incentives, financial incentives, or disincentives to not get the vaccine. And that's just going to be the new reality, especially because the information I'm looking at, and I'm sure I'm looking at liberal news, but what I'm seeing is that this uh, Omicron variant isn't particularly dangerous compared to other variants it's more contagious and less dangerous that's that's oh oh, does that mean people aren't dying no every day like a thousand people die it's the numbers are pretty consistent it's like a thousand dead a day which is absolutely crazy um in the u.s globally it's much more so that's where i'm at with covid okay pause am i going to put music in here no verbal pause verbal music next story I want to give a quick update on redistricting. This was actually something I was not looking forward to. Why? 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 Why doesn't the liberal, Peter Ramirez, look forward to redistricting? I'll tell you two reasons. First of all, I remember 2011. That shit was a bloodbath for Democrats. Two, Republicans control more states, right? You ever look at a map? A lot of red states out there. Right. How are you gonna fly from New York to LA? You've Got to fly over red farmland. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, Wyoming, I'm assuming, Republican governor, Republican state Assembly, Republican,, you know, they, they control more levers, right? Now interestingly, more people live under rule of a Democratic governor than a Republican governor, because population, but land-wise, we're talking like state lines and shit here, land, 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 boundaries, um, Republicans control more. And so what do they do? They carve up their state. And even in a red state, let me tell you, there are blue seats, right? Um, Missouri, red state, St. Louis is blue, Kansas City is blue, right? So you get these states that are like 60-40, or whatever, you know, probably a little less in Missouri's case. I don't think Trump won it by 20. I think it was like 15 or so. Um, and then they draw these maps every 10 years when the census comes out. And that sixty forty state is now like 90% Republican, 10% Democrat in terms of representation, right? So this is actually good news for Democrats. I know I'm not, I'm not used to doing good news on this podcast, but here we are. Here we are. Dave Wasserman, great reporter um tweeted this uh the other day national update quote on the current trajectory there will actually be a few more biden one congressional districts after redistricting than there are now 224 out of the 435. that said there are going to be dozens of narrowly biden one seats that are very tenuous for democrats especially arizona ohio michigan virginia and nevada The biggest threat, here's the kicker, the thesis, the biggest threat to Dems House majority isn't redistricting, it's Biden's approval rating. So, redistricting really threatened to take, like, 20 seats from Democrats, and that's without even being a bad election cycle for Democrats next year, which the first first midterm always is for the party in charge. So this is actually good news because there have been a lot of, over the last 10 years, there have actually been a lot of voter referendums on... Creating these independent uh, commissions. Now, uh, these independent commissions. Some of them make me want to pull my hair out. Right. Like there's a commission. I believe it's Arizona. Don't don't fact check me on this, as the kids say. Uh, where it's a five-person panel: two Democrats, two Republicans, one independent. The independent was a Republican, like as of six months ago. So what happens is the Democrats came up with a map, the Republicans came up with a map, the tiebreakers, the Independent, in quotes, who was really a Republican, and oh, surprise, the Independent sided with the Republicans. Great. But for the most part, this has actually gone very well for Democrats. I was expecting, like, very awful maps. I was expecting 2011. I was, frankly, expecting Republicans to be able to take over the House majority without even winning the election. Like, if you just kept uh, the last year's uh the 2020 vote and then redrew the districts off that having a majority already so this is actually going very very well for democrats this is not 2011 all over again i do still think democrats will lose the house because that is generally how these things work however uh i'm much more optimistic long you know over the next 10 years because not for you know 10 years this is these maps will hold for five cycles okay so that's i'm 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 heartened, which I'm assuming is the opposite of disheartened, <laughs> by that. Okay, last last one. I'm gonna get out early today. Um, it's a little bit of like an end of the year report card for Biden. I, you know, people ask me all the time. Let's take a let's take a step back and talk about life with Uncle Petey for a second. People ask me all the time, like, how did you know you wanted to start a podcast? How did you know you wanted to write? Because my my writing is actually more popular than my podcast, but whatever. Um, and, you know, it's not that I was into technology. I am not. I didn't even want to bother putting music in this shit with the bumpers. <laughs> um, I don't think I'm particularly charismatic, although I'm sure my listeners disagree. Um, I do think I'm funnier than average. But here, here's the honest answer. I was consuming a lot of news media around the 2016 election. So 2015, 16, I was following at least the first half of the Trump presidency very closely. I mean, honestly, the whole thing, but especially the first two years. That was, whew, it was like every day was a headache. Uh, it was like I enjoyed the pain he brought me. Um, and I was consuming all this news media, and it was so rare, so rare for me to read something, to hear something, listen to a podcast, watch a newscast, read a paper, read an article, and be like... I never thought about it that way, or, you know, a thought I'd always have is, you know, if I had time, I could have written this, like, this is the, I've had this idea, and even the way they're writing it, it, like, I think I could do a better job, just like how I describe things, how I, you know, set up the, the article, the body, the intro, I think, like, a quote here would have been better, I think, like, if you added one stat here, you know, like, I I wasn't reading things and being like, wow, how do these people do this, churn out article after article? I was reading and thinking, I can do this, okay? I can do this. I have these insights. You know, not that they're always right, (laughs) but I have thoughts, I have opinions. I see something and I immediately know the puzzle piece that it represents in the greater puzzle, right? and that's why i started the podcast so i was actually thinking about a week ago i don't know if was going to be an article um maybe it still will be although it's not to be very different than the article i read because i don't want to copy someone else's work but i was thinking like you know all things considered biden's doing pretty good it's a 50 50 split in the senate it's a very small majority in the house there's still this fucking pandemic Economic numbers all all over the place. There's like supply chain bad, inflation bad, like wages good, uh, stock market good, employment numbers good. Like everything's topsy turvy. Gas prices are still too high. Um it's like like no economic data right now. Now the big thing is there's a <laughs> this is how you know people are never satisfied. The the right keeps talking about a <laughs> supply chain crisis for homes of home availability it's the lowest it's been in two decades. Oh, 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 oh. oh it's so bad for first-time home buyer. Oh, oh. You know, it probably is bad for first-time home home buyers, but you know what? How many hundreds of millions of Americans own their house? It's great for them. Their houses have never been more expensive and they own that asset, right? So what what's bad for the home buyer is good for the home seller, which is something people don't get. Anyway, back to the main thing. So I was thinking like, you know, I remember Obama's first term, and I remember those first two years. It was like a, it was almost a super majority. I think we had sixty senators for a little bit um, before that Massachusetts uh, special election, and we had super big majorities in the House. Nancy Pelosi could be like, "I could do whatever the fuck I want. I can lose like thirty people and still get it." And and what, now, why why did Democrats do this? It's because Republicans got hit with a one-two punch, oh, three punches. First of all, Bush had just done two terms, right? If someone wins re-election, ask Hillary Clinton, you're not winning a third term in the same party. It just doesn't happen. Secondly, there was a huge opposition in 06 to Bush-era interventionism militarily, right? There's all this stuff about the surge and how we shouldn't be in Iraq, how we shouldn't be in Afghanistan. Oh, thanks, Biden, for getting us out of Afghanistan. You don't hear that a lot in the media anymore. Um so we had the third term good for Democrats, we had the war, and then the economy fucking collapsed under Bush. Uh, And whoever, you know, whoever's in charge when the economy goes south, it's your fault, whether it's your fault or not. But in Bush's case, it was his fault. So, so, you know, Obama comes in with these huge majority, like majorities I will never see again. I mean, Donnelly in Indiana, right? I I was gonna say Manchin, but he's still there in West Virginia. You had like these Democrats and Fucking red ass states, state you know these are statewide elections. You got to win the whole state of Indiana. You're not you're not running Indianapolis. You're running Indiana. I mean the the fucking seats these guys had. Florida, Nelson. Uh, it was just like like every every purple state had a blue guy, and even some red states had blue guys. Like it was, I was like, damn, what the fuck? And I remember being mostly underwhelmed the first two years, the first four years even. And sure enough, uh, two years later, he got hammered in the midterms. But I was thinking, I was like, you know what? I think Biden's doing more than Obama with uh, less. Now I didn't phrase it with a bad uh, hand of cards, which is what this author says. But that's really what I was thinking. Like he's he's doing more with less, is how I thought about it. A week later, I, I read this article in the Atlantic by David Frum. David Frum is David Frum a liberal guy? Oh no, he was the speechwriter for President Bush. Okay. Biden won big with a bad hand. Relative to its strength in Congress, the Biden administration has proved outstandingly successful. I read the article. I did some more reading. Then I did some thinking. People don't do the thinking part. Then I read the article again, and I'm like, yeah, this hit the nail on the head perfectly. Okay. You know, this isn't in the article, but do you remember that first year with Trump, how everyone was like, oh... Trump is packing the judicial branch with all these fucking judges and they're getting lifetime appointments. Like, he's outpacing all these presidents. He's just jamming judges through. He got 19 judges in 2017. Uh, As of last week, Biden is doubling that. Uh, He hit his 38th last week. So however many judges... Now, people, you know, the Supreme Court's very important and the 6-3 majority and how the Republicans got it sleazily uh, is going to be a problem for Democrats moving forward, unfortunately. However, the fact that Biden got twice as many federal judges approved um, than Trump, who was hailed as like the best judge whisperer in all the land, is absolutely nuts. And Biden is doing it with... Harris as the tiebreaker in the Senate and Joe Manchin, who might as well be a Republican in the Senate. I mean, this is crazy. Listen to this. In 11 months, Biden has done more. This is from David Frum, quote, 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 give respect, give, give due. In 11 months, Biden has done more with 50 Democratic senators than Barack Obama did with 57. He signed the COVID relief bill, the $1,400 direct payments, the The aid to state and local governments, an extension of supplemental unemployment insurance, subsidies for the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. He signed the infrastructure bill, 75 executive orders, a lot of them about immigration, and almost 40 federal judge. More than any first-year president since Ronald Reagan, twice as many as Trump did in his first year with a 54-vote Senate majority, according to David Frum, conservative speechwriter. So... Yes, I was disappointed that the Build Back Better plan is temporarily stalled. I still think a lot of it will get through, okay? That's a little, you know. But Democrats have another year in power. And if they doubled what they did this year, it'll go down as, like, an insanely productive uh, use of power. Much more productive than Obama's years. And and I, I, I like Obama, full disclosure. Um you know, I'm, I'm looking at what Biden has done in the first year, and I'm looking at, like, what Trump did in the first year. <laughs> it's like night and day. Forget politics. I'm not saying if things are good or bad, right? Like, you know where I am on a lot of issues. On some issues, i probably surprise you. Um, but, like, you know, you look at Trump's first year, it's like the biggest accomplishments, like the Muslim ban, which which got thrown out twice and then it had to get watered down to pass the third time. Um, that was like, what, only a few years before we did travel bans everywhere because of COVID. So it was like, what's the point of any of this? And judges, but like I just said, Biden is out doing, uh, Trump two to one on the judge appointments. So, and then of course the infrastructure bill, the direct payments, the local government the COVID relief bill. I mean... Gee, it's like every time I turn around, it's like oh, like now insulin costs like thirty-five dollars a month. It's not thousands of dollars anymore for people with diabetes. It's it's like every month, it's like oh, huh, a middle-class person is getting helped by the government. Like what? I'm not used to this. Where where are the tax cuts for the billionaires? Where's where's the war for oil, in some god knows forsaken land? So yeah. Biden is doing very well based on the limited power he has. He's governing through a pandemic that's weighing down his numbers. Ask, ask, ask Trump how being the president during a pandemic impacts your approval rating. Uh, not well, okay? Um, he has a zero-person majority in the Senate, okay? Frankly, he has a minority if you look at fucking Manchin's voting record. A slim majority in the house, his approval rating has gone down since his inauguration pretty steadily. And what's he doing? Like like every fucking week this guy's doing shit. I think I don't really have any theories about it, but I feel like Trump did a lot more talking and like going viral stuff. But when it came to like governing appointing stuff, passing stuff. I just feel like he didn't do a whole lot, you know? And I know I talk to Republicans who feel the same way. Okay, this is supposed to be 10 minutes. I fucking always do this shit. I'm looking at this clock, 22 minutes. What the hell am I doing? Okay, Um, so that's it. Thank you, Jose, for sponsoring today's pod. I am greatly, greatly appreciative of that. Um, I updated you guys on where I'm at with COVID. I'm pretty much, I'm going to wear the mask where I have to, get the shots, get the boosters, and then live my life. Like, that's it. No more, I'm not not changing my life any more than that. Redistricting is surprisingly going well for Democrats. I thought it was going to be a bloodbath like it was 10 years ago. It looks like we'll be okay. That's very good. We're still going to get hammered next year, but the next four cycles will be much better than you would think. And that David Frum piece about how Biden is doing more with less than other presidents like Trump and Obama. I hope you guys have a great, great Christmas. I do not know if I'll be recording again next week. I probably will have one episode the week between Christmas and New Year's. Um, Maybe I'll do like a New Year's resolutions special. Uh, I actually had a New Year's resolution a few years ago. that not only did I keep, because if you read The Psychologist, they tell you no one keeps them. I kept mine. I kept mine, and to this day, I do it, and it's, like, fundamentally changed my life for the better. Um, maybe I'll, It's not political, but maybe I will share that on next episode, but maybe I'll have some political New Year's resolutions uh, for next week's episode. Um, thank you guys so much. Have a great week. Enjoy the holidays, and I will see you soon. Thanks, guys.